Yo, 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 what's good, everybody? What's good? What's good? What's happening? Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of the Isaiah Kid Podcast, the IKP. Ah, oh, boy. Welcome back. Welcome back. So before I even get started today, first and foremost, how is everybody doing out there? Hope you guys are doing well. Hope you guys are doing fine. Enjoying this white, this nice weather while we have it. We're in the dog. Like we're, it seems like we're coming to the dog days of the summer. It's, it's, it's extremely hot just about anywhere you go. Um, but I hope you guys are soaking it in, enjoying the weather, enjoying being outdoors, especially with the last year and a half we have had with uh the pandemic and so forth but uh hope everybody's doing fine and safe i am safe as well i'm your humble and highly favorite host isaiah kid of the isaiah kid podcast so before i dive into before i get into my soliloquies and my topics about uh what i saw from uh the milwaukee bucks in the phoenix suns in game three of the nba finals first and foremost it is Monday afternoon. I'm recording this on Monday afternoon. Uh, I will upload this by on Wednesday, so it's still a regular Wednesday Wednesday pod. But I'm rec- but the reason why I'm recording this on Monday instead of Tuesday is because I'm gonna be on vacation. So that's why I'm recording so early, um, early in the week, uh, per se, or earlier than I usually would, because I'm going to upload this on Wednesday because I'm going to be on vacation this week. So you guys have a Wednesday episode, which is this episode, but, uh, please do not expect a Saturday episode. Uh, I'm going to be out of town, so I'm not going to be able to do Saturday's episode. Uh, but that's the only episode I will miss. Um, so I'm only missing one episode. Um, but Wednesday episode will be uploaded on Wednesday morning, same bad time, same bad channel. Um, but Saturday, no Saturday episode and I will be back next week. So the next time, so after this episode that you guys hear, the next time you guys will hear me will be on next Wednesday, next Wednesday episode. So thank you guys. I appreciate it. I know you guys are probably, or, uh, have vacations in planned or, or may have been on a vacation already. I'm going to take mines. So, but before I do that, let's get into these topics. Let's start with the NBA Finals Game 3, what I saw last night. And let's just say this. Uh, Milwaukee, in a a virtual must-win game, right? Like, Milwaukee couldn't have lost Game 3 because if you lose Game 3, you're down 0-3. You're not coming back. Um, so Milwaukee in a virtually must win game one, uh, they, they, they thoroughly outplay Phoenix, especially in the second half, um, down the stretch of the second quarter, but you know, definitely in the second half, it was Milwaukee's game. Uh, and the final score was one twenty to a hundred, the Milwaukee bucks, they beat, they won them back. They won by 20 and Phoenix had an off shooting night. Uh, you know, game two, they made 23 pointers game three, they made nine, uh, and also, uh, more importantly, I, I would think, or a little bit surprising, Phoenix only shot, they shot below 70% from the free throw line, which is a bit uncharacteristic. And with Milwaukee, uh, better defense, uh, good adjustments, good, good game planning, good scratch, good, good, good strategy. 
uh, designed by Budenholzer because if I'm going to criticize Budenholzer when he when his team doesn't look good and, it, and when they don't look prepared, then when they do look prepared and when they do look organized and when it looks like a game plan, a good game plan is being executed, I'm going to give props to Mike Budenholzer. But this segment, I'm going to dedicate this to Giannis. And obviously, Giannis had a big time night. Shot 14 from 23 from the from the field. Uh, he had 41 and 13, along with six assists. And most importantly, or I would not say most importantly, but he shot 13 for 17 from the free throw line. So he so Giannis had virtually uh, not a perfect, but virtually almost a perfect game, right? Uh, he played really well. His plus minus was he was plus 20. Giannis was awesome last night. And shout out to no layups. Uh, I brought him on. I brought him on the pod earlier this postseason, and I asked him, "Who do you think in the next couple of years? Who you think the best player is going to be?" And he said, "Giannis Antetokounmpo." He said, "Giannis." He said, "The Greek Freak." And last night, he came out and said, "Win, lose, or draw, Giannis is the best player in this series." And I absolutely agree. Um, Giannis has definitely put his imprint. Um, and he is showing why he is the two, like why, like how great of a two way player he is. Um, and he, he, you know, he's dominating. He's dominating the basketball on both sides. Both sides, he's playing really. He's playing phenomenal basketball on both sides of the ball. Um, but often, and you guys know, religiously, consistently, how I bring up this point about Giannis. And I I do I do the same thing with Lamar Jackson. Sports media, whether it's sports analysts or radio shows or podcasts or whatever, national television, local television, local radio, national radio, however you want to chop it up. Sports media in general, um, fans and and other spectators, we focus a lot when these players are great especially to the magnitude of Giannis and Lamar, those are two phenomenal athletes at their sport, but they do it in such, they dominate and they have success at, you know, it's so unorthodox and it goes against the norm. So, you know, a lot of people, tend to push back on it and th- and you guys know how to feel how i feel about this we talk about how Giannis is it can't shoot a jumper or he's not the most skilled offensively which he's not and i do think he should improve on those particular skills i have i have been quoted saying that on this podcast before but in the same instance it is remarkable it's downright crazy that yeah he lacks certain skill sets that you would like to see but he is so dominant and unstoppable at what he does right now so we focus on you know with 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 Giannis we focus on the lack of jump shot the lack of post game we focus on those things the offensive skills but even without that He's averaging. Let me let me give you guys his averages in in this finals. He's averaging 34, 14, 
nearly five or six on 62 and a half shooting from the field. I I, I mean, his PER is plus eight too. So I don't, I just don't understand. And, and, And it's okay because rightfully so we criticize him. But we got to focus on what this guy does because what he can do, what he can do, we focus on what he can't. What he can do is he's the best. He's he, Him and Zion are guaranteed two-point buckets. When they're around the rim, they're guaranteed two-point buckets. And what we saw from Giannis, in game two, he had 40 points. But in game three, he had 40 points. He had 40-plus points as well. But in game three, his 40 came if, like it was easier per se. It was an easier 40, and 40 is 40, but it was an easier 40. Instead, in game two, he was playing more one-on-one basketball and just dominating and having his way, which is he can do that, but we all know he doesn't have or possess the offensive skill to do that consistently. But game three, he got out in the open floor. I think Giannis is the most dangerous player in the open for in the open for since LeBron has aged. I think Giannis has now become that guy who is the most dangerous player in the open floor and during the fast break. Also, they ran more screen and roll where Giannis was the roll man and he's diving to the bucket hard and it's it's practically hard to stop. So anytime Giannis gets the ball several feet away from the basket and all he has to do is one move and he's and he's at the rim that's where he's at his that that's where he's at that's where he's at his best that's exactly where he's at his best but i think so many so much like we we get caught and, and it's okay because i do think there is some like you want to see some style like I think players have certain styles, but with Giannis, we focus on what he can't do, and we just we just gloss over the fact that he is an unstoppable force. He is a dominant force. Um, and 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 with he with these last two performances in the finals, um, and seeing how the way he performed, it either it 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 it, de- it definitely backs my point about how I think. We let the ball handling fool us. We let the ball handling and the perimeter play fool us. But Giannis theoretically is a big. He is a big. He's a big. He has he he possessed the he he possessed the skills of a big. He's not the he's not the most skilled guy out on the perimeter. He's not gonna break you down 20, 25 feet away from the basket and make a shot over you consistently. Giannis is a big and when you have a dominant big obviously your perimeter play your backcourt play has to be good as well in order for you to win a championship i.e Shaq Shaq obviously the most dominant player we have seen in modern basketball but when he was winning and yes he was the best player and yes he was the most dominant but he had a young Kobe Bryant who who was as good and and kept up the perimeter play. And I'm not saying Chris Middleton has to be Kobe, or I'm not saying Drew Holiday has to be Kobe because they're not Kobe, but they need to be more consistent because Giannis in the interior is going to have his way most nights. Most nights, Giannis is going to have his way. 
the Bucks winning this series and continuing success down the line in this series is going to come on the shoulders of Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday in their offensive play. I felt Chris Middleton, he's yet to have a great game yet in these finals, but I thought in game three he played some – he played some stellar defense um, in some possessions. Drew Holiday played a little bit better um, this time around. I, I, I like, you know, Drew Holiday shot eight for fourteen. He had twenty-one points. He played pretty well. Middleton at eighteen points. But like I said, Middleton he had some moments defensively that I that I like. But it's going to be on the shoulders of these two guys to help out Giannis with the load because Giannis, as we can see, with DeAndre Aiden or without DeAndre Aiden. Giannis is going to have his way. Now, the key was they got DeAndre Aiden in foul trouble in game three. They got him in foul trouble. But it's Milwaukee winning this series is going to be based upon Chris Middleton and, 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 and Drew Holiday stepping up to give Giannis some help on the offensive end. But in terms of Giannis, Giannis is absolutely the best player in this series. Um, and I think similar to Lamar, they dominate and they have success. Like, but the way, the, the way that they dominate and have success is not the prettiest to watch. It's not the coolest to watch. And I feel like with like, there's, there's like with Durant, he's obviously more skilled and a better offensive player. He's fun. He's, 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 I think, I think, Basketball connoisseurs and basketball fans would prefer to see Durant. But Giannis, we got to appreciate Giannis for his dominance, no matter the style, no matter if it's unorthodox. And it may look a little ugly compared to some of the other players around the league that have more refined offensive games. But Giannis right here, right now, he's sitting right now as the best player in the NBA Finals. And you gotta respect that. Yeah, and looking at Milwaukee, I mean Milwaukee, you know Bobby Portis coming off the bench. He's he's arguably he's he's been their best guy coming off the bench, like their most consistent guy over the last couple rounds. Where he's bringing size, obviously, but then he's bringing the offensive skill that Milwaukee just doesn't have a lot of on their bench. And you know he's able to come into the game, he's able to rebound. He's able to he, – he plays – he's really skilled out of the pick and roll, whether that's him rolling to the basket and finishing or him being a pick and pop guy. He was moving out the basketball. So Bobby Porter's really did some productive things with his minutes. Um, he played some crucial minutes for Milwaukee. Uh, and I think it, it's, it's going to be key in efforts like that where Milwaukee's going to be able to win games uh, in this series or, and perhaps win this series, right? But – you know, Giannis, as I mentioned, he plays an unconventional style, a style where, similar to Lamar, un very unconventional, very unorthodox. It's not the prettiest, uh, but it gets it done, and they're very successful. And and for Giannis at this, like mostly Giannis, because it's where it's in the moment right now. He Phoenix don't have an answer, and really theoretically, nobody really has an answer for Giannis. Uh, even with him, even with him being devoid of uh, of these high cal caliber offensive skills that we crave for him to have, he is still unstoppable. On the season, 
versus Phoenix. He's averaging 36 points per game. 36, he's averaging 36 versus Phoenix. In three out of the five games that he has played Phoenix this year, he's dropped 40 in. So they have no answer. And this down shifts me and take me to Phoenix. Phoenix, the Phoenix Suns, I still think going into game four, I still think the pressure is on a little bit on Milwaukee. I think I think there's a little bit more pressure on Milwaukee than it is Phoenix. Let me tell you why. If Phoenix, if Milwaukee lose this game four, they have to go back to Phoenix down 3-1. Okay. That's not that's not a good recipe, right? So obviously Milwaukee wants to avoid that. So that's why I feel there, even with the, the even with the lackluster showing uh in performance that Devin Booker had um, you know, in game three last night, he shot three for 14. Um, and by the way, like I said, head, heads up, you know, I'm saying last night because I'm recording this on Monday, but by the time you guys hear this, it will be Wednesday. Um, this, so this is Wednesday episode, but yeah, I think, um, lackluster performance from Phoenix, but there's still more pressure, a little bit more pressure on Milwaukee. I feel now Phoenix, Devin Booker, and it's kind of, and this has kind of gone under the rug because Phoenix have found ways to win games, and they're in this position where they're up two one in the finals. But since Devin Booker broke his nose, since that incident or accident, I should say, with with Patrick Beverly, Devin Booker has not played well. He he or he has not shot the ball well. Let me say it like that. He has not shot the ball well over the past seven to eight games since he broke his nose. Uh, he he's he's yet to shoot since breaking his nose. He's yet to shoot fifty percent or better from the field. Um, he's just not. And, and and some of it is his play style. And I and I and, and this is no slight to Devin Booker because I don't want to sound like I'm changing my pick and I'm drastically changing the narrative. No 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 no. I still think Phoenix is going to win this series because I and I'm gonna stick with that because I picked them to win this series in in six in six or seven games. Like I th- I got Phoenix in six or seven, and the reason why is because Milwaukee very well, like Milwaukee at their best and Phoenix at their best. Milwaukee may be better, but I think Phoenix they're bringing a consistency, and I don't I just don't see that same level of consistency from Milwaukee. Um, at least I haven't seen it uh, as far as throughout these playoffs. At least from from the second round and on, the the they, like Milwaukee lacks consistency either with their game planning or with their adjustments or with their execution. It it's just it, there's lacks of consistency and, and that's the chink in Milwaukee's armor. And with Phoenix, I think Phoenix more well they're they're, they're well coached, they're better coached, and they're bringing consistency. So Milwaukee at their best may be better than Phoenix at their best, but I don't know if that's going to matter because we may only see Milwaukee's best shot two times where Phoenix is consistent. So I'm going to stick with my pick as far as the Phoenix Suns winning this series in six or seven games, but with Devin Booker and it's kind of a, 
it's kind of I'm trying to figure out a word, how to phrase this because we've been a lot of people have been throwing these tags and these superstar tags just on these young guys like Trey Young, Donovan Mitchell, Devin Booker. It has happened to them throughout the, the postseason. Um, you know, Trey Young, we're calling Trey Young the superstar, superstar, he's a superstar. And so in Trey Young, I think he's on that trajectory. I think he's really, I think he's really, really close and he's emerging. And I think this past playoff run has helped that case or strengthened that case, but he's not a superstar yet. Donovan Mitchell, you know, Donovan Mitchell, a superstar. Uh he's on the trajectory. It looks like that way, but he's not a superstar yet. Um, even I even saw it with Devin Booker, people calling Devin Booker Kobe. And I think there's some of the, he, you know, I, I see some resemblance in his play style in his shot selection, you know, of Kobe, but he's not a superstar yet. Um, but he looks like he's on that trajectory. And I think we got to tone it down a, a, just a tad bit when we are proclaiming, you know, young players and giving them these tags, let them grow into and let them form into whatever they're going to be um so devin booker i think people are a, a bit hesitant to criticize him but if we're gonna label him this and give him this superstar tag you know there's critiques there's criticism that comes with that superstar tag but as i mentioned I think Phoenix, uh, I, I, I want to see, um, I think I'm expecting game four for their offense to be much sharper. Um, Chris Paul had some turnovers, uncharacteristic, right? Um, and also, you know, I talked about Phoenix not being efficient from the free throw line. But then on the other hand, on the flip side, Milwaukee got to, they got, I mean, Giannis alone got to the free throw line 17 times. And some people could blame that on Scott Foster because we know the relationship between Scott Foster or the correlation between Scott Foster and Chris Paul. Chris Paul is 0-12 in playoff games while Chris, while Scott Foster is refereeing. But I'm not going to use that as a uh, tool or excuse. But Phoenix, I'm expecting sharper offense, sharper defense, uh, and Devin Booker to have a pretty solid game coming up. So I catch you guys on the other side. I'm a, I got an NF, I got some, got, got a couple NFL topics that I want to get to. All right, 22 minutes in, we're a little past 22 minutes in. I'm gonna get into my NFL topic. This is the Isaiah Kid Podcast reset. Um, so last the previous episode. I played a clip for you guys uh, referring to Jared. I mean, it was a podcast. Uh, Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan went on Peter Strager's Flying Coach podcast. And um, basically, it was a very open dialogue, very honest. I th- I, I mean, I was it's very it's really insightful and, a, and, a, and quite frankly, a really good listen. But I played a clip for you guys and it, that clip pertained uh a conversation between uh McVeigh and, and and Kyle Shanahan and Kyle Shanahan McVeigh was asking Shanahan how do you feel about the Rams basically upgrading at the quarterback position and trading for Jared Goff obviously Shanahan answered didn't want to just give his old pal a no but he answered he answered honestly and he's like hey Stafford can play. Stafford is really talented. And the more and more I look at him, he's more, he's better than what I thought he was. So, you know, 
he 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 gave Matthew Stafford high regards. He talks so highly of Matthew Stafford. And I think with the 49ers in this situation right now, and let me preface my comments. I like Kyle Shanahan. You guys know I really like Kyle Shanahan. You guys know uh, I take another like into both of these young coaches um, in the NFC West, Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan. And I think their respective teams are going to be really good this year. Um, But Kyle Shanahan. In this particular podcast, um, it was very obvious that the 49ers wanted Matthew Stafford. Obviously, they couldn't get him. And one could make the argument, looking at the situation, um, the the noun Lions GM, the new not Lions GM, uh, Brad Holmes, who was formerly an executive of the Rams, one could make the argument that he gave his old team, the team that helped him get this type of job with Detroit, he gave, you know, he he gave them a favor. And this is how a lot of, I mean, people don't, people don't, a lot of people don't know this, but a lot of these type of trades go down because, I mean, obviously there's mutual, you know, there's a mutual deal that can be, ha- that can be had, but there's also mutual friendships and relationships within these moves, within these trades. And Brad Holmes, who was just hired by the Lions, why not make your first move with, you know, your former team? You know, uh, the, the the team that helped you, the basically the place, the location, the team that helped you land your new big promotion, your gig. And that's what he did with Les Need and the Rams. He gave them a solid um you know, he took on the Jared Goff contract and gave them Matthew Stafford. Uh, the, the the Lions also got a, a first round pick. They got they got some really good stuff in return. Um, but so the Rams deal was kind of the, the 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 Stafford deal was kind of already like in it was kind of done already. You know, it was already done in good faith. But Shanahan, I think Kyle Shanahan, he's being a bit too honest. And I alluded to this on the previous episode where I talked about it a little bit where it's so surprising to me with with McVay and more so Kyle Shanahan because I've just seen I've seen there's multiple instances where I'm I'm about to go down where they talk so loosely um, in regards to the starting quarterback and which court and what quarterback do they like? I, I just I don't know. I mean, you just typically don't and I'm not saying these guys can't have these conversations, but you just typically don't usually hear about coaches having these type of situ- like conversations. And I know it happens. But the 49ers this offseason, uh, they made it abundantly clear. They made it abundantly clear that they wanted a new quarterback under center. They tried to go after Sam Darnold. He was on the table for a little bit. They, I mean, the big, the big type, the big time news that came out during draft night was the 49ers tried to attempt to trade for Aaron Rodgers right before draft night. The night before draft night, 
that was in the that like that was in the process that that was trying to happen the 49ers was trying to make that deal happen and then we all discovered it or uh the public it it became public on draft night that the 49ers wanted to Trey for Aaron Rodgers because by that time the 49ers we know what they did they moved from 12 to 3 um and you know they they basically moved mountains to to try to attempt to trade for Aaron Rodgers didn't work right but then even throughout before the draft process we heard all of, we heard we we saw and we heard about these stories about how the 49ers love Mac Jones, and there's a strong possibility that the 49ers could take Mac Jones at three. Obviously, we all know that did not happen. That did not happen, but they ultimately made the pick and went with Trey Lance, which I agree with that pick, but they moved mountains to draft Trey Lance. They moved all the way from 12 to three to draft Trey Lance. So I say all that to say, Look at the list of quarterbacks that the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan tried to obtain and to just just to like they are making it without saying it. They're basically telling you we're kind of done with Jimmy G. And I talked about this prior to the offseason or a little bit in the beginning of the offseason about the future Jimmy Garoppolo. But. You're looking at the moves. You're looking at what Kyle Shanahan is saying. Um, they're making it abundantly clear without saying it. It, it, it. I think it's. I think it's honestly one of the worst kept secrets in NFL. Uh, if you look at it, I think it's honestly one of the worst kept secrets because they tried to go out to Stafford. They, they, they you know, Darnold was on the table. They tried to try. They tried to trade for Aaron Rodgers. They were thinking about drafting Mac Jones. They later on went with Trey Lance on draft night. And Jimmy, and, and yet, and yet, yet, and, and, and I heard, once again, Kyle Shanahan made another comment about how Trey Lance could possibly be the starter. So, I think today, if the 49ers or next week, if next week, let's just say next Sunday, the 49ers had to suit up and play a game, I think the starter would be Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, obviously, they don't have to play a game, but it doesn't it say something that Jimmy Garoppolo, like, isn't something, like, something isn't adding up. He's still the starting quarterback, but the 49ers and their plans this offseason, whether they fail through or not, their plan, ultimate plan for their quarterback position was to move off of Jimmy Garoppolo. Whether and, and it seems like with with the with the drafting of Trey Lance, I mean, if he doesn't start, Garoppolo would be the starter. But then you would have Garoppolo, you know, he's making his money. Um and he, we all know he's injury prone, so we don't know when that that when we don't know when Trey when we when we will see Trey Lance. We don't know, so I I, I just find it a, a bit curious and interesting um, that 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 Kyle Shanahan continues to engage in talks like this. I just don't think 
from my perspective, I think I, I just think uh I just think Kyle Shanahan and McVay to a certain degree, but more so Kyle Shanahan, because we see the calculated moves that the 49ers tried to make and made this offseason. Boy, oh boy. If you're Jimmy Garoppolo, you can I don't know where your confidence meter is because the moves this year were clear. They were clear. We're trying to get off of this Jimmy Garoppolo deal as soon as possible. As soon as possible. They even they thought about Sam Darnold. And some of this some of this can be blamed upon where you or a lot of and the Buccaneers and Tom Brady winning the Super Bowl. It has a lot of teams and a lot of players and a lot of coaches and a lot of GMs just reconsidering a lot. You look at Aaron Rodgers and his situation. You know, you don't think he's a little pissed that Brady left his team for that he was with for 20 years, went to the opposite conference, joined a loaded team in a, a warm weather, and they come into Lambeau and they beat them and then they go on to win the Super Bowl. You don't think Aaron Rodgers, you don't think his uh, his uh, his antics this offseason has anything to do with that? Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah, he may be a little frustrated about the Jordan Love, you know, the drafting of Jordan Love, but he's also a little, he's side-eyeing Brady. He's like, damn, this guy just swapped conferences, swapped teams, and he won the Super Bowl. And here I come. I haven't been to the Super Bowl in now almost 10 to 11 years. Russell Wilson, he was frustrated. He's look, he was at the Super Bowl. He was there the night Brady won it all. A, a lot of teams, and I think the 49ers, I think they are still having nightmares about that throw that Jimmy Garoppolo missed. You know, that 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 overthrow. Um, that Jimmy Garoppolo missed when he, you know, he tried to hit Emmanuel Sanders, but he didn't complete the pass. And, you know, I think I think the 49ers, you know, they look at that pass and they probably, like I said, they probably still have nightmares. And they're like, damn, if we had Tom Brady in that situation, he could make that throw. So they didn't make the move last year to sign Tom Brady where, I mean, according to all reports, Brady was interested in the 49ers. You know, it was a it was a childhood team that he grew up loving. Uh, they they were a ready made Super Bowl contender because they just made the Super Bowl the previous year. So I think I think it's a combination of the 49ers. They're they're trying to get out of the Jimmy Garoppolo business uh, because his health. He just can't stay up because he just can't stay up straight. He's he's glass. Call him Mr. Glass Man. But um. Then you look at the fact that I think a lot of teams, a lot of coaches, a lot of quarterbacks are reconsidering and really looking back at their situation and they're just just based off the fact that Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers won the Super Bowl. Uh, I think it has a lot of players and teams just reconsidering where they stand. Um, I think it does. I, I, I really do. And I think the 49ers, they're trying their very best to – basically erase the fact that 
they could have had Brady, but they chose Garoppolo. I think they're trying to erase the fact or they're trying to get out of the business of Jimmy Garoppolo because he's ba- he's he's glass um, and he's fragile and also th- he's not elite, you know? And I think they look at a guy like Trey Lance who has certain capabilities that Jimmy Garoppolo don't show or don't have. And they 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 may think that's the missing link to their offense as far as a quarterback being able to get out of the pocket and create plays outside of the pocket. Something that Garoppolo can't do and his health won't allow him to do. Um so I'm going to go to the Rams. Uh, I, 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 I think these are two, these going to be two really interesting teams this year that I'm really going to follow. So I'm going to talk about the Rams. And before I go into my Rams, uh, the thing I'm the topic, my Rams topic, uh, I mean, past couple of days, big week in sports. Like the, like the past couple of days have just been full of sports. We got some, we even got some events ahead of this week. Um, I know, so USA basketball, the their bad USA USA team, they lost. USA basketball, they lost. They took a rare loss to Nigeria. Um, three point loss. Conor McGregor, UFC 264. You know, it ended badly because he dislo it looks seems like he broke his leg slash ankle. Uh Dustin put Dustin Poirier won. So uh, a real impact, you know, a lot of stuff going on in the sports world. Uh, Otani, Shohei Otani, you know, he's going to be headlined, basically, basically headline him and Tatis going to be headlining uh, the All-Star game. Uh, and Otani's having a monster season. Otani, <laughs> Otani is having a monster season. Uh, th- he's like, he's literally... I never thought I would be able to see this or say this, but he's literally the modern day Bay roof. Uh, he pitched at a really high level um, and he hits at a really high level. He's, I think he has 33 homers uh, at the end, but uh, I mean, yeah, he has 33 homers in the first half of the season. It's all, it's all-star break. So yeah, you know, um, he's, he's literally the modern day, Bay roof and I'm, I'm curious to see how his star continues to build um boy oh boy the angels they got they have lucked up right you know you 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 got mike trout who's been the best player in baseball for some time now over the last several years uh but he's not like the most marketable uh or or, or like vocal guy where baseball can really promote him uh, but Otani, Otani, Japan, you know, you know, f- international player. Uh, we'll see if if the MLB can market him and use him as a superstar or the face of the MLB. Uh, it looks like they're trying to do it with Tatis, Fernando Tatis. He he seems pretty cool. He's very entertaining to watch. But that's that's something interesting to look out for. But Matthew Stafford, I want to talk about Matthew Stafford uh, and the Rams. Because I think this might be the year that Matthew Stafford, um, this might be the year that Matthew Stafford 
explodes because I think he's a bomb. I think Matthew Stafford is a bomb waiting to waiting to explode. I really do. I think he's a bomb waiting to explode. Uh, Let me tell you this. So I've been talking about the Rams a lot, and I think this team, if Aaron Rodgers decides to sit out and not suit up for the Green Bay Packers, I think this puts the Rams in the driver's seat for the second best team in the NFC. Obviously, Tampa Bay is his and shoulders. I think I'm not gonna say his and shoulders, but Tampa Bay, they're returning all of their starters. Tampa Bay is the more is the most balanced and talented roster probably throughout the entire league, but definitely in the NFC. So they're the best team in the NFC as we sit here today. But then if you exclude the Packers and Aaron Rodgers and the Packers and Aaron Rodgers, let's just say Aaron Rodgers sits out. I I then I didn't think the Rams are the second best team in the NFC. I look first, Sean McVay, innovative, offensive, brilliant, young mind. Um, they upgraded at the quarterback position. Mind you, the Rams, they were a really, they were a really good team last year. They were a really good team last year. They did not. They finished second in in the NFC West, but they went on to beat Seattle at Seattle, and they played the Packers in the divisional round. Obviously, we all know they lost, but they were like they were at the they were at the brink of making the conference championship game again, right? So you you add the fact that they had to they they did all of that. With Jared Goff and John Warford as their quarterbacks, like you know, Warford took over the job when staff when uh when when um Jared Goff got hurt with a thumb injury, but then Jared Goff had to come back in because Warford had a concussion. So you know they had to balance that, and they still got to the divisional round. I look at their I look at the pieces that they had on defense. Now, granted, they did lose some pieces on defense, especially in that secondary. And that secondary was really, really talented last year. They had a really talented secondary. But luckily for the Rams, they have been able to draft really well and hit on a lot of their picks, especially on the defensive side of the ball, despite not having first round picks. They haven't had a first round pick in a while. But they continue to hit on draft. They continue to hit on players that they have drafted in the later rounds. So we have seen if that luck continues. But I still, I, I still expect to see the Rams, or or, or, or I expect this, the Rams to have a solid defense, a good defense. Um, the defense coordinator Brian Stanley, he left. He's now the Chargers head coach. So there's there's some there's some turnover there for the Rams. But if you're looking at their roster as a collective whole and you're comparing it to the Seattle's, the 49ers, uh, the Saints, uh, the Cowboys, I feel like the Rams, the Rams, you would have to put them as the second best team in the NFC. I just do. I think the the Seahawks. They try to upgrade the offensive line. I still think there's questions with their defense. So we'll see how that fare. The Seahawks would be really good. They'd make the playoffs, I think. But I don't, I'm not sure if I can say they're better than the Rams. The 49ers, you know, they got to get every, they they getting everybody back healthy. Um, I think it's going to be really interesting to see this quarterback dynamic that I just talked about with the 49ers. 
Uh, I want to see how this how this looks and works. Uh, so we'll see how that – we'll play it by air with the 49ers. I think they're going to be a really good team too if they can remain healthy. Then you look at, um, you know, teams like New Orleans who still have a solid foundation. Like they still have really good pieces on their roster, a really good roster, but they're trying to figure out their quarterback situation. So we'll see how that looks. We'll see how that works. Um, the Cowboys, you know, offensively, they look really good. Offen- like their weapons on the offensive end look spectacular. But defensively, there's still some question marks. Very young in the secondary. So I can't definitively say that they're better than the Rams. Um, who else? Watch the Washington football team. Really good defense. Their defense looks like it's going to be a top five bona fide defense this year. But I don't. I can't put my money on the consistent play or lack thereof with Ryan Fitzpatrick. I'm just not going to do that. Uh, you know, you know, Chicago. We'll see what the quarterback situation is right there. They have a talented roster. They've had talented rosters over the last couple of years, but the quarterback situation they haven't quite been able to figure out. And they got to see if they're going to start Justin Fields or not. So we'll see. Minnesota. Really talented on offense. You know, you look at their offensive pieces, they got some really good pieces on offense, but Kirk Cousins, we all know Kirk Cousins has a ceiling. And defensively, the the Vikings are very young. So that's just a quick rundown. I try to make it as quick as possible of, like, who may be the second-best teams in the NFC. Um, Even the Rams. The Rams, I mean, oh, no, the Cardinals, excuse me. The Cardinals, I'm not sold on Cliff Kingsbury as a coach. I'm just not. Sorry. Uh, I felt like the the Cardinals, they squandered under pressure down the stretch of last season. And I think a lot of that had to do with with Cliff Kingsbury and his coaching. I thought he made some coach. I thought he made some questionable decisions down the stretch in a lot of games. So that's my that's my whole analysis on it. So that's why I think the Rams, they're going to be if, – if Aaron Rodgers decides to sit out, I think the Rams have a legitimate case for being the second-best team in the NFC. With that being said, back to Matthew Stafford, I think this is the year he's going to explode. And finally, he has a roster that's built to win. He has a complete – he has – this is as good of a roster that – Matthew Stafford has ever had in his career. And I'm I, I can I can admit I've been a critic of Matthew Stafford because I understand that he's very talented. But it, I just thought at times Detroit I, I thought he could have elevated Detroit, but I'm sitting back, I'm looking at those rosters, I'm looking at the supporting cast that he had, and it wasn't much there. I mean, obviously he had Calvin Johnson, and people, Cal, okay, you have a great receiver, Calvin Johnson, but that doesn't guarantee that you're gonna win game that you're gonna win a lot of games consistently on a yearly basis. They had Nadamakan Sue. That's only two players. That's that's two players. So it's a team sport. So. I, it, Detroit never really had a lot going for itself. And actually, 
I have the Detroit Lions defense and their run game rankings since 2011. And it's miserable. It's miserable. Literally, literally, there's only two years, two years or three years out of, out of, out of Matthew Stafford's 12 seasons in Detroit. There's three years where he had an above average defense. 2013, their defense was ranked 15th. 2014, their defense was ranked third. And then 2016, their defense was ranked 13th. But these other years, they're ranked 23rd. They're ranked 27th. They're ranked 32nd. Last year, they had the worst defense in football. The, uh, 2019, they, they were ranked 26th. So he's had bad supporting casts, bad defenses. And this speaks to why, this speaks to why, don't you know, 31 of Matthew Stafford's 74 career wins have have required a fourth quarter comeback. Think about that. Think about that. 31 of 30. So 70. He has. So Matthew Stafford has 74 career wins. 74 career career wins. 31 of those wins have required a fourth quarter comeback and a game winning drive. So that means. He has to play from behind 42% of the time. 42% of his wins have come from him, have come from him trailing and having to play from behind. That's not a recipe for winning playoff games. That shows me that you have a bad supporting cast and you're trailing a lot. So you know, I look at his offense, like, look at the Lions. I got the Lions rankings since 2011 for their rushing offense. It is atrocious. In his, in Matthew Stafford's 12 years in Detroit, 12 seasons, he's never had an above average running game. Never. The highest rank, the highest rated Often the, the highest rated rushing attack that he's had in his career is 2013, 2013, and the Lions was ranked 17th. All these other years, they're 29th, they're 23rd, they're last. They had they had they had two years where they were dead last. They they're, they're ranked 30th, 28th. Like they bad, horrible supporting cast. So when I hear so, and I don't even want to bring up the numbers and the stats because we could argue that the that his stats are, could be a bit inflated, but some of his stats have come from the fact that he's happened he's happened to trail a lot, so he has to throw a lot. Um, so I don't even want to bring up his numbers, but think of the off-platform throws and the sidearm throws that he makes. He don't. He you so a lot of people think he makes those throws so he can look cool. Matthew Stafford don't make those throws to look cool. He makes those throws because he has to because the the, the way how the, the offensive line is breaking down and the pocket often collapses on him, he is forced to make those sidearm throws. He is forced 
to make those off-platform throws. He's forced to do that. He's forced. So, you know, I think this is the year for Matthew Stafford to explode. Um, he's with a, he's with a legit Super Bowl quality roster. He has a great offensive mind, one of the best young offensive mind, offensive minds in football in Sean McVay. He's going to have a better running game. He's going to have a better defense. He's going to have a better offensive line all in Los Angeles. And for a guy of his caliber uh, this late into his career, and Matthew Stafford, he's only 32, he has plenty of football ahead of him. But 12 seasons into his career, going into his 13th season, he is, he, he, like, this is, un like, this is, we haven't seen this ever where a player has been stuck in one place as bad as in, as Detroit, and then 12 years later, or 12 years into his career, he's able to go to a, a location, a setting that's set and built to win. You usually don't see that. And Matthew Stafford has a unique opportunity this year to cash in. And quite frankly, I think he will. I, I, just, I just didn't want to throw out numbers in regards to Matthew Stafford because we can dissect his numbers and – if we're, if we're going to contextualize and add nuance to his numbers or while looking at his numbers, you know, he plays in a pass-happy league. He trails a lot, so he has to throw. So it, we can really dissect numbers. That's why I didn't want to really throw out the numbers. I'm looking at the supporting cast where I'm comparing it to what he had in Detroit and what he has now, and it's night and day. It's night and day, and you look at the talent, I think, you know, We've just gotten so used to it. And, and sometimes people just forget how talented a guy Matthew Stafford is because we don't we, like a lot of people don't get to see him um, because he plays in Detroit. That won't be the case anymore. So with all that being said, all of the good things I may have said about Matthew Stafford, and I'm not backtracking at all. I'm a, I stand by my take, but I do think there is a lot of pressure there is a lot of pressure on Matthew Stafford because it's it's now or never. You know, like I said, he's go, he's coming into a very unique situation, and he's quite lucky because it usually does not happen like this. Like stuff like this, situations like this don't pan out where you go from a, a horrible, a historically bad franchise to a franchise right now that's ready to win right now. And you're possibly the missing two. It usually doesn't happen like that, especially 12 years into your career as a quarterback. It doesn't happen like that. And you have a, a ready set roster. Um, So there is. So with like I said, with that high praise, there comes with some responsibility. Um, And, you know, I think there's a lot of pressure on him this year. But I, I, I do think he's going to be fine because. He's he's going to play his football. Football for Matthew Stafford over the last 12 years has been hard. But football this year, I think for Matthew Stafford, it's going to be a bit easier and a lot funner. Simple as that. That's what I think. But um, I'm going to give you guys my game four. Well, yes, because game four is on Wednesday. So I give you guys my prediction. Yes, I'm going to give you guys my prediction right now. Uh, I think Phoenix comes back 
stronger, uh, sharp, like I said, sharper offensively in game four. I do think Giannis will play well because, the like I said, the Suns, as I explained, Phoenix doesn't have an answer. They haven't, the first five games that they have played Giannis this year, they haven't had an answer. He's averaging 36. Um, and for the finals, he's averaging 34. So they won't have an answer. But Milwaukee, I'm just not so sold on them playing consistent basketball. Um, and, you know, like I said, Milwaukee at their best and Phoenix at their best, Milwaukee could be very well better. But what if we only see that version of Milwaukee two times? It won't win them this series. So I think Phoenix is going to be uh, ready. I think um, I think Monty Williams is going to make the necessary adjustments and tweaks that he needs to make. And like I said, Chris Paul, uncharacteristic for him to have you know those turnovers i think they clean that up and ultimately i do think the uh, the suns will win game four it's gonna be a close game it's gonna be competitive but i do think the suns will win game four uh once again uh this is wednesday's episode i uh, hope you guys enjoyed it i will be back next week i'm not gonna be uploading the episode on saturday so you guys enjoy this soak this in i will like i said i will be back next week I will only miss Saturday's episode. That's only one episode that I'm missing. I will be back Saturday uh, or next Wednesday. Excuse me. I will be back on on the pod next Wednesday. You guys will hear my voice. But until then, adios amigos. Enjoy. Stay safe. Um, Yeah, always remember two choices, one decision. Peace, deuces. I am gone. I am out. Enjoy.